as usual, pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, and Governor's March 15, 2020 order, imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Medford Board of Health will be conducted via remote participant to the greatest extent possible. Specific information in the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with the right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.meffordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained here within. No in-person attendance or members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we're unable to do so, despite our best efforts, we will post on the City of Mefford or Media Community Media website an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after this meeting. All right. So we we'll open the meeting and uh, approval of the minutes from January 26, 2021. People still there? Yep. Alrighty. We have a motion to approve the minutes. Local. Yes, I, I think Second. one, yeah, the uh, motion to approve the minutes. Anyone opposed? No. All right, approved. Can I have a roll call vote on that, please? Quadowitz says yes. Chabonier? Yeah. Chabonier, Menon. yes. Dr. Menon, you're on mute. Dr. Menon? Yes, I'm here. No? You're, uh, we're just waiting for a yes on the minutes. A vote, a vote from you on the minutes. You went mute again. Dr. Menon. Maybe some technical difficulties. Yeah, up oh, there he is. Can we have a yes vote, Dr. Menon, on approval of the minutes from you? Yes, from me. He might be having technical issues. Can yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, now we can. Next on the agenda. The MVP um, grant. Yes, yeah, so I have uh, Penny is joining us today to give you an update on our um, municipal vulnerability preparedness grant uh, that we've received and the progress we've made so far. And it's some exciting news, I think, as of recently that's really starting to move along. So I'll let Penny um, take it away. Thank you. So, yeah, um, municipal vulnerability preparedness grant comes from the office, uh, the executive office of the energy and environment um, from the state. 
And so we did receive this grant and uh, one iteration of it in um, January to June of last year. And we spent that time trying to understand what are our vulnerabilities in our community and what are their barriers in terms of accessing community services and how people are informed if there was a climate disaster, since this is an environmental grant, um, we used the exercise of a pandemic to understand what this would look like if there was an environmental catastrophe. So um, what we learned was there was a need for trust to be built amongst our communities that are most vulnerable and environmental justice areas within our communities. And so uh, we have put together a proposal. We got accepted and it started in October. It's taken some time to get through the surge and to build up our team. But the, the plan it really is uh, a three-tiered plan. The first tier is an interdepartmental group working together to understand um, what we learned and what we are going to continue to learn over the next two and a half or two years. So. That group is going to work on communication, how to how to understand, um, you know, what is normal times of communication look like, what is emergency crisis times of communication look like, and then what is recovery look like, where we are basically going through this exercise real life. Um, we will continue to sort of maybe debrief what we've learned coordinate, organize, and start creating some formality around that communication piece. There are also pieces in the budget to ensure that every uh, department head in the city of Medford and then staffing as well will have the opportunity to participate in understanding um, vulnerable populations, understanding bias, understanding uh, you know racism, poverty, all of these things that really truly affect individuals who are vulnerable in times of, uh, you know, it, it socially vulnerable in our community, period. Um, the next level is working with our, co our, our community organizations in order to start formulating a plan so that we can do a better job of serving our public and working together as a whole. So no, we do not have the same bosses. No, we do not have the same funders, but we have the same purpose and that's to serve the residents of the Medford community. And so we're coming together to figure out what would that look like and how can we do a better job of working together and with an end goal and a vision, hopefully, of something. And if it fits with the with our community's needs and wants, we, something that looks like a resiliency hub, a location or locations that people can go to that are energy efficient, that hold multiple services in those spaces so that it's not... Um, it's not a daunting task for someone to get help from multiple agencies should they need it. And it's something that's not also stigmatizing because you go there for, for other means too, for recreational means, for other ways of um, building community within a space. So that's the, that's the second tier. The third tier is our community. Um, we're building up resiliency task force. So these are resident-led task force forces and we have just hired um, our coordinator who will coordinate the work of the whole grant and communicate to the state and the budget and all that stuff and then we have we have four liaisons that we've hired we're still looking for a fifth um, those liaisons have um, are, are representing our BIPOC community our a BIPOC community African-American 
black indigenous people of color within our community so we have a liaison who will be working within her networks of portuguese speaker brazilian portuguese speakers we have a liaison who will work within her her networks and to build a network for haitian speakers we have someone who will work um um, and within the community of the Arabic speaking community and she will support and build a network within that and then finally we have a person um, who is uh, who is working with the African-American or the black group who will build the community of people to come together to think about what policies need to be changed at this city level in order to create less vulnerability for our residents who are a BIPOC. So we are going to be working through that process over the next uh, year and a half or year and a quarter now. Um, and right now we've onboarded them and we are starting to do some trainings. We're bringing in some um, high level trainings on how to organize and how to coordinate, how to facilitate groups, how to how to basically draw people to this issue. And then once they've sort of formed their groups, they've started to identify the issues that they want to bring up to the up to the policy level, we will bring in a policy consultant to help them formulate and word those policies. So this is a very exciting grant. We are the only community funded for this type of pr project. Um, so it's really, really, really exciting. And it's the merge of public health and an energy uh, effort to really address climate change. Because this isn't the next, this isn't the last disaster that we're going to have to deal with with COVID. We have to be prepared for should something happen. And we also need to prevent something from happening. So we are working towards that. And that is the status. So we have a coordinator hired for liaisons, and we are still seeking. A, um, a representative from the Hispanic community, Latinx community. So we we do believe somebody is applying, but um, you know we're very excited about this project, and we're about today. Tonight's our first meeting as a team. How much money is the grant for? Uh, you think I would know that? Um, <laughs> it is. I think in total it was like one hundred sixty-eight thousand um, over the course of two years. So it's about eighty. It was about 80 per year, or I think it was like, I think the total, you could you could break it out across the years. It wasn't like a discrete amount, the same for each year. So we will be spending more money next year, obviously, because it'll be a full year. And um, so I think it's about 168,000. I have to look that up. I'm sorry, I should have oh, cut that off the top of my head. We did get a small grant from um, Mellows Wakefield Hospital to also supplement some of the uh, efforts as well. So we got a grant from Mellors Wakefield for the Community Health Initiative. It's $10,000. We asked for $20,000. So we have to scale back our approach. But the approach would have been very similar in that using the structure of liaisons to really take public health messaging or messaging around mental health substance use and to, and to bring that to our communities, our A BIPOC communities, to have them tell us, how does this message really resonate? What does it really say? Is it communicated correctly if just simply translated? How does it interpret into your, into your, um, your culture, into your, into your world? So we want to do some analysis, so really an assessment. And if we do... Um, get refunded year after year. We have a plan for how to create public health messaging and health promotion that is more aligned with culturally appropriate messages. And then, you know, so that's what our plan is. We have a longer term plan, but for right now, for this year, we're going to be assessing and understanding. You know, if I say to you, I, 
you, you, you know, if you have anxiety, you need to get help for, and these are the signs and symptoms of anxiety. Well, some people don't interpret anxiety in the same way as just the list of symptoms. It's something different to individuals. It's different to me, right? It's different to how I understand anxiety and how I experience anxiety. So I just think we want to, we want to examine this and we want to further uh, our community's understanding of how we're actually helping people and building trust with them. Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. I, I would actually, once you get your roots down and a more solid foundation, uh, I would like to sort of get Mass General Brigham perhaps involved uh, with the idea of, of the concept population health. Um, the sort yeah, of yeah. a concept we, we all talk about and, and uh, the cultural equity and how people understand and approach different things in healthcare is certainly a cornerstone of that. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll speak for them. Uh, they'd be very interested. Very cool. Headquarters in Somerville and Medford uh, to, to assist us in that. So That's uh, awesome. I want to be involved too, uh, once the roots get down. Great. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm working to get, um, I've been uh, over the last two weeks really kind of deactivating from the COVID world and trying to really get all this work underway. Um, and so I feel like a little bit more breath has been given to really get the work done. Right. Um, the other thing, the other ish, uh, agenda item that kind of leads into all of this is that uh, the city council, I think in February approved, maybe it was early March, approved the Promote, Prevent, Support Behavioral Health Commission that we proposed to them. And this commission in its original proposal was half of, it would be half residents, half inter, uh, departmental staff that are forward facing and do service-based work. Um, and the idea being that we would start aligning and understanding what's going on as a whole within the community. The seniors population, what's going on? Well, the senior center has information Mystic Valley Elder Services has information, and we have some information too at the public health department. So how does that all come together? And same thing with the police department and the schools. And so we all have these overlaps within our agencies and our organization or within our departments, excuse me. Um, and, and so the idea would have been to have um, residents at the table thinking this through with us. The city council did break the, the proposal down a little bit and they increased the number of department heads and they attached a few designees from other very important, um, you know, service agencies within the city. And then they're with three residents participating in the project. So I am right now just trying to figure out that now that we've got that passed, that was the big hurdle. What do you do now? And it sounds like uh, working to pull that group together, getting bylaws, recruiting people to that commission will come forth. But I think the idea here is, is to say, you know, let's bring all of our information together. Let's start working together. And I believe that it's quarterly. It should meet quarterly every year. Hopefully by the following year, we'll have recommendations for a budget to properly support our community. Um, but it's it's a broad spectrum in, in, in that it's promote, prevent, and support. So we're looking to get the whole breadth of it. Yeah. And it's around all behavioral health issues um, but within the community and, and, and what we see. And really to, to make everyone aware of the data too, we all have um, pieces of data um, that I think you know need to be shared and understood by by everyone who is like Penny said forward facing, um, dealing with 
residents and the community and all the issues. And um, so, yeah, we're really going to be able to strategize uh, more uh, collaboratively and and understand where you know each other's um, positions and roles are, but also understand how we can work together more efficiently um, to address the needs out there. Because we're still, uh, and obviously, the, the whole COVID situation has brought the the needs of behavioral health issues really to the forefront um, and escalated uh, quite a bit. So. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's taken about a year or so to, to, to pull it together and uh, thankful the council uh, approved it. And now it's time to get down to, to the work and get it done. Um, so Penny's got a lot in her plate right now. She's helping out tremendously on getting all this work coordinated while we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So it's, it's great. It's great. Any questions on that? Um, we really need to, to, to get that off the ground. So that's exciting. Um, next, I guess, just an update on where we're at community metrics wise with the, with the pandemic. Um, so we were doing really, really well uh, last week or so. We were seeing cases as low as five and six, but um, Within the last week, and there's been a lot of discussion with my colleagues in the in the region as well. We're a little bit concerned because we're seeing the numbers creep back up again. Um, you know, I believe we had 23 20s. Um, we're, we're back down to around the 10 12 uh, grouping, but we we haven't gone into single digits now. Um, and I don't know if it's travel related. We're trying to figure out the because it hasn't school vacation hasn't even happened yet really for the most part. Um, so, uh, you know, and there's concern around the variants as well, certainly. Um, maybe those being, you know, more infectious. So, so we are keeping an eye on the numbers. Uh, you know, I know people are getting vaccinated, maybe people letting their guards down a little bit now and feeling like we're on the home stretch so they can get out and about and be more normal. But um, this is not the time really to, to let our guy down as, at all, as you've heard most folks say, because um, the numbers aren't looking great right now. Um, so it's a little bit concerning. I mean, they're certainly not as high as we saw during the surge, right? But, um, but they're, still, they're, they're still there. The pandemic is alive and well. So um, that's just something to, to be aware of. And uh, we're keeping an, again, we're keeping an eye on those metrics, but Medford as a whole is still doing pretty well. And I know, you know, they're working hard to get the, the kids back into school full-time um, within the month. So we want those numbers to come down and stay down, right? So. Any more, <laughs> uh, any more injection forums going on? <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. In, in Medford um, specifically. So, yeah, um, we, we are finishing up what we have for doses um, right now. Uh, we are not getting any additional first doses. We got the, the rest of our second doses. We finished up our 75 plus second dose um, with a clinic last Saturday at the Andrews School where we did about 350 um, 75 plus year olds. So they're fully vaccinated, um, which is nice. Uh, we are doing homebound. We had already done about 90 homebound previously. This week, we're doing an additional 60 homebound, and we'll be doing their second doses. Um, 
the only additional doses we did receive was through a partnership with the Medford Housing Authority. Um, we uh, partnered with them, submitted a plan to the state, and that was approved. So we did get doses for their low-income affordable housing um, units. So we last week we did, um, was it just last week? I'm <laughs> I don't even know if it's last week. We did Tempone, uh, Weldon Gardens, and Walkling Court. Uh, this Friday, we'll be heading over to the Saltonstall building on Riverside. Um, those are all just first doses. So we will be do going back and having, because we're doing Moderna. Um, so we'll have to go back and do second doses with all of those. But today, um, if my numbers are right, including the, the 350 we did this weekend and the uh, homebound, We've done a total of about 18 clinics um, with uh, almost 3,100 doses given out. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so we've been able to do that. And the state did release last week. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed or saw it, but on their weekly reporting now on Thursday evenings, um, when they do their, their metrics, they have now included a, a vaccination report as well. Um, and it's by town, which is what we had been asking for to see how many, because we, we know who we vaccinated, but we don't know who of our residents have been able to go to Danvers or Fenway or any of the other vaccinations, their own doctors or the hospital has been doing quite a bit as well. And I believe the hospital has started getting doses again. They were cut off for a few weeks, but I believe they're starting to, I don't know the, the you know, that they're getting them to the extent they were previously, but the hospital is definitely getting doses again. So, so we had no clue who, who of our residents were really getting vaccinated. So the state has done that. And there's a report now that's put out every Thursday evening and it's done by age, by race, um, by zip code. Um, so it's, it's pretty good. And, and, and we're not looking um, too, too bad. It looks like um, for our 65 to 74 year olds, at least 50% of folks have gotten at least one dose so far. So that's, that's good news. Um, and then with our elders, with our 75 plus, um, it's looking like 68% have gotten at least one dose. So, so that's great. Um, and that was before our second dose clinic. So those numbers might have gone up a little bit. Um, so it's an interesting report. I suggest everyone take a look at it. It does really point out though, the disparities again, um, and the need for us to focus our messaging about uh, trust and vaccine confidence, because it does appear to be lacking um, some hesitancy, I guess, or just not enough access, but certainly our Hispanic population and our multi-race um, population um, and our Black and Asians are, are their, percent popular, uh, their percent vaccination rates certainly pale in comparison uh, to the white uh, compounds residents. So we need to work on some messaging. We need to work on some outreach um, and hopefully the access improves because that's a huge part of the problem and, and, and allowing how are these people getting the where they're getting. We're, we're hopeful and confident that something regionally will be happening here in Medford. Um, but I don't know that that's been officially announced yet, but we have been working with the Cambridge Health Alliance to try to get a regional um, clinic, uh, vaccine clinic here in Medford. And uh, I think that's going to come to fruition. Fingers crossed. 
And, and that means that it will be open as part of the deal with the state. It has to be open to the entire state. It's not just for our region, unfortunately. To participate in this program, you have to say that you will vaccinate anyone from the state. But they are saying that 25% of the doses can be reserved for uh, your local residents. So, so that's good news as well. But just the access alone, just having something right here that people can, can get to um, will be a huge help, I think. Um, a huge help. So I think, good. any questions on that vaccine? Well, we have not seen J&J &J vaccine here yet in Medford, um, for us anyways. I know some of the other housing authority doses that came to other communities, uh, they got a minimal amount of, of the J&J &J vaccine, um, which is nice because it's the one and done, but we're using the Moderna. So we'll be going back for second doses. Yeah. Questions, thoughts, ideas? What happens if I can't use the computer? How am I going to sign up for the, for the vaccine? So the folks can call the 211 line. Um, the state has set up a 211 line, phone line that you can call. And certainly we've been doing a lot of work outreach-wise with um, folks that can't access a computer or don't have internet access. The Council on Aging certainly is offering support and help. We've done a lot of registering ourselves of people. If they call, if they need help, they can call us. We'll put them on a list. We'll get someone to call them back and do it for them over the phone. Uh, the same with the West Medford Community Center. They've been doing a lot of work with residents too and helping most of our 75 plus that we just did that 350. Most of those registrations were done by either um, our staff, our volunteers, um, the Council on Aging and the West Medford Community Center. So um, we, we, we can get it done if, if people need help. Thank you. I think that's all I have. Is that all that's on the agenda? Is that it? I think so. Yeah. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Yeah, good job. Amazing. Right. Got a lot of exciting things going on now, so it's good. Yeah. Spring's coming. Spring is here. Thank goodness. Sir. All right, well, stay safe, everyone. Do you want to uh, take a vote to adjourn the meeting? Vote to adjourn. Second. Yes. Second. Yep. Third. Third. The eyes have it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Thank everyone. You. Thank have you a good rest much. of the day. Take care.